Kia ora everyone and welcome to the February podcast. It's Lisa Gibson here from KVH and I am joined by Simon Cook who is a KVH board member and Nuffield Scholar. Welcome Simon. Hi Lisa. It's um, great to have you here with me and uh, um, for those of you who also get the NZKGI newsletter you would have noticed that there was a piece by Simon on the final visit of his Nuffield travels to Queensland or tropical North Queensland um, where he learned a lot about banana Panama disease and so I thought it would be really neat if you came in and had a word with us about what you saw, what you learned and some of the learnings that we can take on board from that and some of the realisations as well about the fact that there are so many practices by security practices across the board that we are already and can keep applying and this is a perfect example of why. Um, So this was your final visit on your travels. Um, Could you just give us a little bit of a brief rundown about the disease, um, where it was first found and what you saw when you were in Queensland? Yep. So Banana Pamina is a fusarium wilt, um, so it's actually similar to one of the diseases we're concerned about in kiwifruit, which is why um, I had an interest in looking at it. Um, so Banana Panama, the disease itself, has been through several stages. Um, worldwide, in about the 50s, we used to grow a banana variety called Gros Michel, and so most of the commercially grown bananas that were supplied worldwide were all of this one variety. And the first version of this disease ended up wiping out the world's supply of Gros Michel as it slowly got transferred around the world. Then um, to replace the Gros Michel, they came up with a new variety, which is the Cavendish banana that we know now. Mm-hmm. And so um, Cavendish then got spread around the world to replace Gros Michel, and so that's been the backbone of the banana industry. Unfortunately, um, coming out of Panama, um, there was a new version of this disease of um, the Fusarium wilt or Banana Panama, which is known as TR4, four. yeah, Tropical Race 4. And so this one in particular attacks Cavendish. Um, and so what we're seeing worldwide is that this disease is just slowly creeping and wherever it arrives, uh, banana industry is just slowly gets wiped out in that area. So potentially we're looking at the end of Cavendish bananas if this continues to spread. And Cavendish bananas at this stage is the only available uh, commercial variety that's grown. Um, there are other varieties of bananas that will stand up this, to this disease, but they all have seeds in them, mm-hmm. which makes them very difficult to eat. Okay. So yeah. this is one of the last seedless varieties of banana um, in the world that's grown commercially. So yeah, the loss of that will be um, a fundamental issue to bananas in the future. Okay, and when was banana Panama disease, or TR4, first found in Australia? Yeah, so the, the latest variety of TR4 was found in the late 90s, uh, 97 I think, in Darwin, uh, in the north of Australia. And within a few years it pretty much wiped out production uh, within Darwin and to this date there is uh, basically no production of bananas in Darwin. So the guys in Queensland who I went and visited had seen this disease arrive and wipe out the banana produ- uh, production north of them in Darwin, uh, but still I guess we had the confidence or were adamant that it wasn't going to arrive where they were so they weren't really preparing for it or weren't uh, ready to accept the fact that it could arrive and could uh, devastate their industry so they had little uh, planning or processes in place ready for its arrival. So why were they so um, why were they so sure within themselves that it wouldn't arrive near them because of distance? Yeah, distance was the main thing, and I guess maybe it's just a a fear of confronting 
um, the risk of it, you know, that accepting that that could be a risk to your business, I guess, is admitting to yourself that there is the danger. So if they were completely unprepared and they weren't doing anything, then I imagine that um, it did spread and it did spread quite quickly. So when it arrived in Queensland, it arrived on a first property. Um, once it was identified, that property went into immediate lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the industry actually worked. They decided the best option was to try and buy the orchard and um, eliminate it. So therefore, stopping the disease there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this process went on for a while. They had a bit of a battle with the orchard owner at the time. Eventually, they got to uh, buy the orchard and uh, they removed the orchard. Shortly after doing that, unfortunately, it was found in two neighbouring properties oh, as well. So yeah. they were too late. It had already spread to two neighbouring properties. Wow. Okay. Um, so what are the, the main vectors for the transfer? It's the soil? Um, and infected plant material. material. Yeah. So that's where the majority of it has spread through is infected plant material. But within a region, once it's in that area, uh, soil movement is a real risk. And so when you've got um, things like wild pigs yeah. who are rutting around, um, even just heavy rain, and we see the flooding up there now, um, that the movement of soil through flooding uh, is a major risk for them as well. Especially in a yeah, tropical region like that. Yeah, it would be yeah. all too common. Yeah. Um, so what is the focus now for them? So is it a quite aggressive containment? Yeah, so it's aggressive containment and so each individual banana grower is now treating their own site as a, I guess, a biosecurity zone and carefully controlling movement on and off their own property, trying to eliminate the risk of any soil coming on. And so they've had to put in fencing all around the properties to try and keep the pigs out um, and then at the entrance to the orchard, they're very careful about what comes in and out. Right, so they would use signage and um, at the at the, um, at the the entrance and exit points, are they also providing the materials for people to be able to clean Correct. shoes and vehicles? So even at the entrance to most properties is now a spray system so that people can spray tyres in the underneath of the vehicle before they even come onto the property and then Perfect. when they get to the orchard, they have to take footwear off and get into... Um, into different sets of gum boots as they go through the property, all trying to separate areas and have biosecurity zones, which is how they're handling it. So did you find that um, the, the growers themselves were ready and prepared and willing to um, put all of these practices in place once they were fully aware of how easily the disease could be spread? Yeah, unfortunately, once the disease had arrived and had already um, been there for a little while, that was when they started putting this all in place. And so they are they are slowing the slowing disease. It, yeah. yeah, and yeah. so they're, they're doing a good job of controlling the spread of it. But the hard thing is once it's in your midst, it's very difficult to control. Okay, so... Um, I guess the main things that we can think about in an industry and as people within the Bay of Plenty region is probably that key lesson, you know, you can slow the spread once something has arrived, but it's always, as we know, optimal to do everything we can do beforehand as well. Um, And when we're talking about slowing the spread, there are these really, really clear practices that time and again we have examples of working like we do here in North Queensland so it's this things like traceability, movement controls, cleaning, signage, um, putting those systems in place and sticking to them. Yeah and we see those lessons out of looking at mycoplasma bovis, um, you know the spread that happened around with that, uh, with that through New Zealand that just the lack of biosecurity practices on farms, not double fencing so stock could uh, make contact across fences, not using NAIT properly so that they couldn't track mm-hmm. it. So the, 
you know, what could have been contained in a much smaller area and a lot less cost has unfortunately exploded and it's going to cost a lot more money to manage. But it's, it's those exact same lessons of basic on-farm hygiene, hygiene yeah. that prevents the spread between different farms. And with all biosecurity incursions, that the pest or the disease is going to be there before you know it's there. And so in that time, the only thing controlling that spread is good biosecurity is, practice. Are those practices that you put in place? On-farm biosecurity practice. On-farm yep. practice. Perfect. Um, would that be the biggest thing that you learned from this particular trip on your Nuffield travels? That would be the number one takeaway? That's the number yeah. one takeaway, yep. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and so I see parallels with that to what we're looking at with cowrie dieback yeah. in New Zealand. So yeah. cowrie dieback is once again a soil-borne disease um, that's very difficult to control. And we're seeing that in New Zealand with the steps that are being put in place to try and restrict access to areas. But unfortunately, while we still have pigs, deer and other um, you know, things moving through forests, you're still going to have this disease spread. And so one of the interesting things that came out of the visit to um, this area was looking to the future and as to how they replace Cavendish and that that the um, banana itself at the moment isn't able to tolerate this, but through genetic engineering that there may be a possibility uh, to have that solution, and so I, yeah. that becomes an interesting discussion. I did read that piece. This was about CRISPR. So this is the new CRISPR technology. So it's, it's about taking the genetic material that's already there within a plant and modifying that. So it's not introducing something different. It's not taking genes from a different plant or different organism and introducing it. It's just modifying the existing uh, gene sequence that's in that plant so it's not as invasive um, mm -hmm. and um, you know potentially that's something we could look at with cowrie um, given that it's a very small genetic material it's not going to be able to adapt in time to survive um, against cowrie dieback so you know we may be left with a very difficult decision in New Zealand that either we lose cowrie or we have to somehow we modify apply cowrie some of this technology. and it will yeah. become that discussion is Either you have cowrie with genetic modification or you don't have cowrie and it's not a good situation, it's not a good discussion but that maybe we will end up in that, um, having talked to the banana guys, that's the decision they're facing themselves now is that if they want to go ahead, they're trying to come up through natural breeding but realistically they believe that genetic engineering of their existing variety is their only way of surviving. Are they having that conversation as a collaborative group? It's industry, government and growers? Um, the individual I was talking to was um, leading that himself. So they, they're the biggest banana grower in um, Australia and so they had their own program that they were working on. That is a really, really interesting topic. Um, in the meantime, though, I guess what we need to do is carry on with those on-farm biosecurity practices that are tried and tested and that we know work. And that's exactly the view of the banana grower um, I was talking to last about this, and that he said all the biosecurity practices they had in place, that biosecurity is about buying time. Mm -hmm. It's about buying time to do the science, to do the research, to um, come up with alternatives, management, whether it's genetic alternatives, whether it's coming up with you know, a different way of managing it, that that's what biosecurity is about, is it's about buying time. That's exactly right. Um, thank you for joining us, really interesting. If you haven't already read Simon's piece, um, it's up on the NZKGI website, there's photos there with it as well. Otherwise, just get in touch with us here at KVH and we can make sure that we send you a link so that you can get hold of that. And as always, if you want any other information about the things that we've talked about today, you can go to the KVH website too, and that's kvh.org.nz. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you, Lisa.